When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. Today we're going to talk about how you can activate your spiritual path with our guest, Oliver. He's reached out over to 2 million students and counseled celebrities such as Gwyneth Paltrow, Demi Moore, and Donna Karen, and so many others on his mission to teach others how to clear, protect, and unblock their energy so they can attract more abundance, love, and purpose in their lives. He's created the GeoLove Healing Methodology, working with the entire energetic system straight to the root and coming out in 2023 with Hay House. Welcome so much to the show, Oliver. I wanted to start, you're, you have a beautiful website and you explain a bit on there about your story. Can you start there with this kind of life-changing reading you had? Yeah, I mean, it was it was super interesting because I never thought um, healing would be my, I would be an energy healer, like, you know, and um, before I stepped into this, I was pretty successful as an internet entrepreneur already. Right, so it's kind of like the reverse path. A lot of people um, um, become healers, and they want to, you know, you want to make a living from it. I was already pretty set, and then this came into my life, and um, and I remember my very very first um, a reading in energy clearing. And someone, I was super skeptical because I'm, you know, I'm predominantly left brain, and someone told me you've got energy blocks, right? And then I proceeded to having them removed, and the whole time. I was so skeptical because energy was so new to me. I didn't, it wasn't trendy back then and I knew nothing about it. Um, and then fast forward after that healing, I made more in a day than I did an entire year because of it. Uh, and I was like, wow, that is crazy. And ever since then, that was kind of like my, uh, the dangling carrot that was put in front of me. And ever since then, I've just been uh, pretty much all in and, and really mastering and learning um, all that I could about energy and spiritual gifts and how it affects, you know, our day-to-day lives. Wow. That is fantastic. And what I love about that is when we come into this work with a little bit of skepticism or a little bit of reserve, it, it feels like it in some weird sort of way, it opens up the gates even wider when it really does click in, but it also gives you more validity and credibility with what you're offering. It's not just wary fairy woo woo. It's actually, there's a meaning and you've talked a lot about how you stepped onto this path, but what is your, what do you feel like your work is as this, you call yourself the spiritual activator. My, my take on that is that you want to empower people to, to find that in themselves. Is that your premise? Yeah. So pretty much like I look at um all the problems in society, right? And I think it could all be solved or we wouldn't even be created in the first place if, you know, we as kids never turned off our light, right? Um, if we stepped into, you know, our fullness of what we came here with and our spiritual gifts are on and we're empowered, then we would think differently. 
we would vibrate differently, therefore we would attract different things in our lives. And the whole detour of like, and I've seen it happen so many times with people who have been blessed to help to where like, you know, they turned their gifts off when they were, you know, when they were a child for whatever reason it is, maybe is, you know, they, they didn't want to be rejected or didn't want to lose love and connection. Maybe it was a fear of unknown. Maybe the gifts were too intense and nobody told them how to use them. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's too scary. And they, they shut it off. But you, you know, you can't really fully shut it off. I mean, it's still there, but they shut it off. And because of that, like, you know, they go through the dark night of the soul kind of path to where they attract toxic people and they make, you know, they experience unnecessary suffering because their, in, their intuition isn't turned on, right? It's not, it's not on point, it's not accessible. And then they come into, you know, the, the mid part of their lives and they're like, you know what, this isn't working. And then they, they have this awakening to where they're like, you know, I'm gonna step into my light, discover who I am. And a lot of it is a journey to returning back to how we came here as and what we had. So, um, and so for me, if I can get people there and empower them and, and, and get them to shine their light and have the direct connection to, you know, their higher power, then the world will be a different place. So for me, that is the goal is one, um, getting, you know, people to turn their lights on again and, and really embrace all that they are. And second is figuring out, how, hey, how do we make it so that kids don't have turn their lights off in the first place, which solves a lot of things as well. Solves everything. I would love to see something like this added to the curriculum. Can you imagine? They are starting to teach children how to meditate mm -hmm. in, in the curriculum in, in the States anyway. And I just think that is fantastic. Can you tell us how you see energy in people? You, you write a lot about sacred geometry. Are you actually seeing this with your physical eyes or is it with your spiritual inner eye? I have with all of the above. I mean, I, I look at it as people have primary ways they interpret energy, right? So yeah, I have been able to see, you know, sacred geometry shapes and spirals with my own eye. And I thought I was going nuts to like, you know, everybody around me there, I was like, can you guys see that? And they saw the exact same thing. And we had over a dozen people seeing the exact same thing. So I'm like, okay, it's just not my eyes, right? So I've had it that way. But for me, um, my primary way is just knowing because people sometimes just know stuff, right? They just don't know how they know, but they know. And some people are more feelers. It's like their body is communicating with them and they, you know, they feel heavy, they feel light, they feel, they feel it through their bodies. And for some, um, they're actually, um, they, they're, they're seers. So they see, see things. Like my wife sees energy, sees the other realms, sees other dimensions, and, and I just feel it and know it, right? So people have different ways of interpreting energy. And I think that's why it's so cool when people work together because you have more resources, somebody can see, somebody can feel, somebody can hear, somebody can know. And with all of that, you just have more information than you would if you just, you know, relied on your, your, your own, but I'm more of a knower and feeler. So one of the things that I love about your work is that you, you actually have a five-step energy program that helps people release that detox energy. And I'd never really re heard it referred to in that way before, as far as, Samantha and I have talked with a lot of folks and with each other and, and with our own work about how energy will get trapped in your body. It will manifest in a negative way with either illness or, or emotional blocks or whatever. What would be a stepping stone or what would be some of those steps people could take to release that, that toxicity of energy that might be trapped in their body? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, like the way I look at it is like we are affected by energy all the time, right? And 
if it's unaddressed and they stay long enough, they become energetic blocks, right? So there's four of them. I mean, one is an environment and your environment can affect you more than you know. And that could, for some people, that's the biggest source of their blocks. That's why they're not experiencing love or abundance or joy, right? They can, and you know, if you're easily affected by your environment, it's when you step into a crowded area, a mall, a store, an airport, like, you know, are you thrown off and overwhelmed like I am or I was? Or do you feel free, right? So that's the first thing is like empaths is like, it's, it's figuring out how the environment affects you. But it's not just like, when I say environment, it's just not the physical environment. Because sometimes it's also all remotely. I mean, how many times have you had it where someone's thinking of you, you're thinking of somebody and they call you, you text them and they're like, whoa, how, ran how random is that, right? So there's that. Um, so environment can affect, yes. For some, it is um, events in their life things that happened earlier on that affect them energetically. For some, it's gestational, things that happened when they were in the womb that affect them. And for some, it's generational, it's passed on. And like, you know, their, 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 grand, their dad and their, grand, and their grandfather, it's just a, or, or their mom and their grandma, it's just a passed on. And some, it seems like it's the same story every single generation. And now you're reliving the energetic pattern. It can end with you, but at the beginning, it just feels like it's yours because the effects are so real. So for me, it's like, one is, realizing that these are very real energetic blocks and you don't really need to know where they come from as long as you're able to release it. Cause when that, those are released, a lot of times I met people, that's the only thing stopping them from what they want is they figure out the energy block. And once they release it, they, it's like driving without the emergency brakes on, you just go way fast where you want. Right? So for me, that's kind of like the, the, um, intention is first, let me help people teach them or do it for them how to release their energetic blocks. And second is how do they raise their vibration so that they're experiencing life at just a whole new different level, you know, of, of beauty and whatever the life has to offer, you know? If some of these energy blocks are generational, like you were saying, or if they're just really embedded, like we're talking about a very traumatic PTSD event, for example, would that take more energy to clear and cleanse it? Or is it all the same principle applied to any energy block? Typically, when I'm working with somebody, um, and it's interesting, when I first started this, I was predominantly super logical and in my head, and healing still happened because when you're doing healings, you know, in, in my experience, it comes from a different place. It comes from your higher power, your divine, your divine story. So even though you're super skeptical as you're doing the healing, if you're open and the intention is there, it's great. So at the beginning, when I was doing healings on people, um, the first ones were always the toughest ones because when I'm doing it, I'm sending the intention of whatever is the biggest block that's that, that is stopping somebody. I want to remove it. And when I did, when I did that in the past, people would go through purging experiences, whether that's physically, emotionally, and it would last for a week or two and then their lives would be amazing afterwards. And because when I'm removing that energy, it's just, it's not just energy. Energy is attached to, you know, thoughts, you know, beliefs, you know, emotional patterns, um, people, opportunities, and entire reality. So when that's removed and replaced with something new, all of those quickly just kind of find themselves out, right? Or redefine it. You redefine your relationship with all of them. So it can be pretty jarring for a lot. And but as I as I grew more, and and kind of stepped into embodying more love in what I do and who I am, then all of a sudden I've noticed that my healings are gentler. People would still get the results but the purges are not as intense as it used to be. It's just, just a smoother experience, if you will. 
Almost like you were being healed as you were helping heal others. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's the beauty of it. It's the gift. It's the gift of that keeps on giving. Cause as you're healing others, you gotta remember like, you know, that energy that's healing them is running through you. Right? So as it runs through you, it does what it needs to do. So the more you heal or let that energy run through you to heal others, the more it, it actually lifts you up along the way. So it's, it's, it's a win-win. It really is. Now you've stayed in the background for a long time, haven't you? You haven't really advertised what you do or, or promoted it at all. Why that choice and, and why coming out with all of this now? I was afraid to be seen, to be honest. I mean, I, I was, you know, my human story, I was, I had a lot of shame revolving around. I had a lot of businesses that failed and went under, like, you know, and I, and I took it really, really hard. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm not worthy to be seen. You know, I'm, I cause a lot of pain to people, like, you know, so I'm just going to work and help people behind the scenes because, like, you know, um, let me just see how this goes. So I, I did that for the longest time and I actually helped my, I mean, my wife um, build her business and did really, really well. And when we, when, when we became pregnant with my son, who's three now, uh, I remember something clicked in me because um, for me, um, family and children always move the needle for me as far as it motivates me. It just, I won't do it for myself, but I'll do it for them kind of thing, right? And I remember thinking to myself after, you know, being blessed to help a lot of people, I realized, you know, a lot of stuff could be, could be prevented if they had a good environment growing up. And I, I just realized this is a brand new soul and I am their role model. And I don't want to ever, you know, be a cause of why they have something to heal down the road. So I have a choice whether or not I'm going to step fully in my light before he's born or I'm going to keep hiding. And I knew what hiding did to the soul. So for me, it motivated me to like, you know what, I'm just going to put myself out there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go all in. And it doesn't matter if I've got guilt and shame and fear and inadequacies and, and issues of worthiness to be seen, I'm going to do it because one, at that time I was like, it's, I have to, and it's needed. It's time. I've been putting it off for close to 15 years at that point. If it's not now, then when kind of thing, you know? That's a beautiful story. And children are the best motivator, aren't they? I think it's a sick, maybe it was Roseanne Barr on some sitcom. She used to always say, look, kids, you have your choice. You can have a therapy fund or a college fund. <laughs> And I just always love that idea that at some point as parents, you know, we might mess up a little bit, but you have such a positive approach of going into it. Like, no, this, I'm going to create this beautiful healed and healing, loving environment for my kids and demonstrate it through this work. I love that story. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy at the beginning and what fueled me was like, like all that regret and fear that I'm, you know, I'm going to make a mistake and, and all stuff, but as, as, you know, as you grow, then the fuels change to where you're like, oh, wow, I want to make a difference. I want to feel more fulfilled. I want to experience more love and joy, right? You know, I want to give more and, and the fuel changes and you, you kind of get used to it changing. Um, but it does, you know, as you, as you, as you evolve. So what I love about what you said, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to when you were talking about generational patterns. And something that's really huge right now for so many in the spiritual community and in general is, you know, releasing trauma, but also breaking ancestral patterns. And on an energetic level, you know, whatever work we're doing, and I feel like so many of us are being called to say, it ends with me. It's mm -hmm. been passed down, it's been passed down. 
And, yeah. and you, you know, that sends that healing back, but it also sends it forward. And I think so many of us are being asked to step in as a catalyst right now and say, you know what, we're here for this transition. We're here to help build more unity. And, and what your work seems to be really focused on is helping people find their individuality, but become more a part of the collective in this healing that needs to happen. I mean, because I feel like us as individuals, there's so much richness in who we are. And we've got a message to share. We have gifts that came. We've got things that, you know, that can flow through us that we're here to share, right? But the human story and the human experience gets in the way to where a lot of people never get there. But we have a unique thing that's just, that we're here to do. And if we do that individually, there's a ripple effect. It affects so many more people than, you know, you, you would think, but if we do it as a collective, then everything can change. Right. Um, and for case in point, if you look at, you know, history and you look at people that made a huge difference in, in the world, whether it's, you know, religious or, you know, or, uh, or movements, it took, you know, one being in their full potent light, shining, shining it and sharing their message to affect billions of people long after their, they passed. Right. That's one, but so we also have one, that opportunity and two, there's strength in numbers. So if we do it as a collective, then light wakes up light. And there comes a time to where you're like, you know, it's the world's illuminated and darkness ceases to exist because we have found and discovered and returned to our nature of, of love and light. So for me, that is, that definitely is the, you know, the, the intention for sure. You, you have a lot of little video clips and interesting information on meditation and how it's not really for everyone, which is something surprising. A lot of spiritual teachers would be like, wait, what? So can you explain your view on that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way I look at it is we live in a society where it's almost like people are trying to fit in the box that's not made for them, right? And 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 that's been the case. I remember when I was first starting off with with business, I, you know, I, I was, you know, you have all these conflicting things, you know, you got to be an early riser, 6am, you know, to, to succeed. And some people were like, you know, you've got to wake up whenever you want, right? You've got the 80 hour work week and you got a four hour work week. And then if you look at people like, you know, that were into just building one business, like um, Bill Gates from Microsoft, one business. And then you have people like Richard Branson, who's built 300 different businesses successfully, right? And at the beginning, I thought I just had to be one. I got to be like, oh, if I want to be successful, I got to do it like build it and focus on one thing. But it's impossible since I'm wired for variety. I, lo I love new things. I love creating. And for the longest time, it cost unnecessary suffering because I thought I need to be one way in order to succeed. And then I realized, you know what? There's another person who did it this way and they've succeeded. And now I'm like, all right, there's more than one way to do it. So when it comes to meditation, people think you got to be quiet for 30 minutes or two or two hours and you don't have to have any, you know, thoughts. Right. And, and that is like, that's for some, it's very hard to do that. Right. Just to have no thoughts is like telling your heart to stop beating. You know, you just, we just, sometimes when you tell your mind not to think it's going to think. Right. So what I do is I ask people, why do you want to meditate? What do you want to get out of it? People are like, I want to relax. You know, I want to let go of stuff. I want to access higher information, higher consciousness. 
like you know i want to feel invigorated or i want to just be in a place to where it's just it's my sacred place right or i want to release all these things that i've absorbed throughout the day right and if meditation works for you i say go for it 100 percent. but the reality is there's more than one way to get to, to the desired outcome I see, I see people their meditation is walking or gardening or painting or playing the piano or dancing or doing yoga or journaling or spending time with their kids right or some of them it is in when it's they're in solitude for me it's like you know working out or, or taking a salt bath or like you know serving people when i'm serving people i get rejuvenated i get messages i feel calm i feel clear things my human story falls away and i'm recharged right so from my experience it's just remove like you know the expectations of how it has to look it's like saying look what kind of car is the right car the car that's right for you right it is so meditation the way we know it is a vehicle to get you to an outcome to a state to access consciousness and a frequency and you can choose whatever vehicle whether it's a bike whether you want to run whether you want to fly whether you want to be on a boat whether you want the variety of different vehicles available to you choose one that works for you that you like that you can actually one not only live with but it's sustainable long run it aligns with your nature it's it's not hard to do you don't feel friction doing it it just feels very natural and do it right and because when you do it that way the guilt goes away of trying to fit in the frustration goes away and you just get the results of why you wanted to do it in the first place I love that because it's also uh, one of my main premises my entire life has been to empower, not enable. And I feel like what you're talking about is you're helping people connect with that divine light source, that divine that we all have access to. It has nothing to do with a bank account, a location, an ethnicity. It all comes back to our inalienable rights as a human being as a, in this species to be connected with that. And my own limited perspective on this is the light is getting lighter and, and the dark is getting darker and the more of us that can unite and raise this up and I feel like that's the that's what you're talking about is get rid of the old stuff release what was never yours to own to begin with and find it within yourself that you are safe enough to connect to this you are um and and worthy is an it's kind of an overused word but I feel like that's what you're giving people is that self-worth. So all of that aside, you you mentioned that you had some uh, some challenges earlier in life on getting onto this path. Are you making very conscious choices parenting your children that to, to break that cyclical pattern? Because these little people that are here now are, they are wide open light. They are amazing. And I know in my soul, they're here for this. It's for where we're going next. So how how can people that are listening who are awakening help these little folks or their children or this next generation realize this is the normal that we want? Got it. So yeah, I mean, we just live what we preach because I feel like environment of a child is so important. And I can talk till my face is blue, but if I'm not embodying it, it doesn't mean anything, right? So for me, it is like, you know, we, we live like, you know, in a, in a constant state of just divine surrender, right? And it's divine surrender 
Um, we, we go with the flow when we're divinely guided. We look for signs. When we're divinely guided, we take action. Like, you know, we, we, we embody love in all that we do. We do things for the highest good of all. And, uh, and for us, like, you know, it's just um, things like that and not saving. Um, you know, if my child's in pain, I'm going to love them. I'm going to create the space, how, how difficult it is. And I'm going to think in the long term, instead of just giving them instant gratification, I'm going to think of cause and effect. And who would they be if I save them here? And would they have the tools when I'm not around to save them? So I think um, in, in those terms of like, you know, yeah, it's easy to do it now and it's in gratification and that's how I was raised. But if I just step back and, and love them and give them the tools to deal with life and, and pretty much for me, the way I look at it is when my kids are still living with me, that's the best time to practice all of these things. So yes, bring on the challenges and the obstacles and, and let me see and guide you and love you on how you can handle them and help you pivot when you need to so that when you're out and about in the real world and mom and dad aren't there to, to, to give you the answers, like, you know, you can revert back to your upbringing, your core values, your, what you've learned through experience. And, and from that, I feel like that's the best gift I could ever give you know, my, my, my child. And I think the number one thing is like really doing things with love and making sure that they don't turn off their light and their gifts and that they're supported. And I'm not trying to mold them based on what I think or who I think they should be, but they I'm discovering who they innately are, loving them for it, encouraging them to step into that, use their voice and, and then give them the, the principles that I've learned energy wise or manifesting wise and, 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 and really just surrender to the outcome of their own journey, you know? Yeah. It's like the old adage, you know, do parent, what is it? Kids do what their parents do, not what they say. So we are their best first example in terms of empaths or highly sensitive people. Is the energy more porous? Is it more open? Why do they send they, they uh, tend to attract more of this negative energy. And what are some tips you have in your upcoming book on how to protect ourselves from that? It, it really depends. Um, I've realized there's a lot of different reasons why people are sensitive or more in tune with energy. It could be they have an overactive third eye. It's just overactive, right? And, that, and typically that's not an issue if your vibration is high. Because ultimately, yeah, when I first started out, sure, I was doing protection and doing all those different things for like, you know, months and months at a time. But it comes to a point that that even that that in itself isn't sustainable because you're when you're vibrating of I need to protect myself, I need to protect myself. That in itself is a vibration, right? So you do that at the beginning because it works and it's way better than you absorbing any, everything, anything, everywhere you go. So when you do that for 30 or 90 days, what ends up happening is you know your energy and you know when it, as, it's, as it is, your authentic energy, and you know when it's being affected by outside sources and you know the difference, right? So you can, you, know, you can just be like, okay, I know what it feels like to be clear. But eventually, as you remove the blocks and you do the work and you raise your vibration, your vibration becomes your protection. It's kind of like, I talk about it all the time, it's the metaphor of if somebody's running in, in, or biking and somebody wanted to hurt them, somebody can throw you know, a stone, it would hit them, it would affect them right? Because they're in the same playing field. But if that same person was on a plane and that plane took off, 
it reaches a certain altitude to where it doesn't matter if that person is the strongest person in the world. They, they're going to throw out a rock. It's not even going to hit, right? And the person on the plane won't even know a rock tried to hit him. And then it goes even higher to where you go to an, another altitude, another elevation where that person below doesn't even see the person above and vice versa, right? So there's no need for protection because the ones that, were that are going to cause pain, they're not even in your reality. So ultimately, yes, your vibration becomes your protection. But at the very beginning, it is, you know, it could be, you know, you're, you're in a vibration to where all that's available and your third eye is really, really open. It could be that you have denied or ran away or rejected your gifts. Like, you know, and those gifts are there to help really balance out all that stuff that you're absorbing. But since you're, you're afraid of it, you're running away from it, you really can't. You really can't go in there and nourish your soul and clear your, your energetic field. Therefore, you're only experiencing the negative stuff, perceivably, right? Um, it can be that. Um, and the solution, really, what, what I tell people is it's simple. Um, you just have to look to see what you love doing as a kid. We all have things that we love doing as a kids and this and and whether it's you know you people called you a water baby because you love being in water or you love running barefoot or you love dancing or you love having you know um connecting with friends or you love you know building a fort or you love being by yourself or you love the animals there's some patterns of what you were passionate about that you love doing as a kid that we all have and the cool thing about that is by doing those it naturally clears your energy that you absorb Right. And that's a big step for some is like doing that. But then again, like, you know, those things in society labeled self-care and people have this connotation of like, oof, I don't want to do self-care. It's selfish or I'll do it when I'm drained versus thinking of that as, you, you know, that's yes, that's self-care. But let's reframe this a little bit. That's oxygen for your soul. When you do that, you can clear and release all the things that don't serve you so you can be in your authentic essence and energy. And when you're there and you're centered, then you experience life in a whole new different way. I absolutely love that because it's clear, it's concise, and it's it's usable information. It's not so that that's my next question is it for, for many, they have a support team, they know about self-care, but what would be, and I know meditation, time in nature, make sure you're hydrated, all the basic care things we do, but for many of our listeners, they may not have a support team. They may not have people who understand how sensitive they are or, and they feel kind of isolated. What would be a personal thing that person could do that would help them feel uh, more of this connection that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, when I moved, um, you know, I grew up in the Philippines for 18 years. And when I moved here, like, you know, the advice that I got from the books was like, you're an average of the five closest friends that you have. But I was like, I don't have any friends. Like, and I'm new here. How can I do that? Like, you know, so what I did were, was, you know, books became my friends. Things I listened to became my friends. What I was exposed to became, you know, my environment. Because the thing is, yeah, people come to me all the time. It's like, hey, Oliver, like, you know, you tell me environment is everything. But I live in a household and the person living with me or where I'm at work I can't change it now, but it's toxic. And I'm like, all right, then you've got to create other environments so that, that if, if your toxic environment is 100% of your life because that's all you have, then you've got to start branching out 
with who you listen to, what you experience, what you, and make that a bigger part of your life. So whatever is toxic becomes smaller. Next thing you know, when, especially when you're bringing in light, little goes a long way. You'll, you'll, and you'll never know what really moves the needle in, in getting you to the, the life, the vibration, the emotions, the experience that you want. So for me, it's like environment and what you lend your consciousness to, your attention to, is everything. And if you're part of groups that want to grow and you're, and you're reading books and you're, and you're listening to podcasts like you know, the one that you guys are listening on right now, which really feeds the soul and, and, and really you know, feeds you a lot of light and positivity, then do that and, do, and make light, the light and positivity in your life louder environment-wise. Make it louder. Because the darkness, right. is, it's there, right? And the only way to shut it out is bring more light in, right? So change what you focus on, what you're exposed to, what you lend your attention and consciousness to, and everything starts to change. So the, the, the whole idea, so in, in mediumship, the whole thing is if for every step you take forward, spirit is going to take two. So I feel like you're saying the same thing. Any little incremental change that you can make that yeah. puts you in a place of gratitude and joy. And I love, love, love that you talked about needing to protect yourself, but then sometimes that can become such a, a thick wall that it doesn't allow the other things to permeate through. So your, your message feels like it's uh, get stronger with yourself, your connection with divine, and then you allow more, you can allow that to come closer, yeah, which is beautiful. Protecting yourself to give you time to strengthen yourself where you don't need protection. And a lot of people get lost in just protecting yourself phase and they get stuck in there. And I was certainly one of them. But once you are able to do that long enough so you can build you know, yourself, then it gets to a point where you don't need it because you've, you're, you've, um, you're different. It's like people going to the gym. The first few times you go to the gym, you get sore, right? And because, and you're lifting a certain, you know, weight and you're doing certain exercises and then you're sore but that soreness isn't permanent you go to sleep you know your body your body grows and it heals next thing you know you know you're not you're no longer sore you do the same thing and it no longer causes you pain because your body has grown enough and adapted to where it just it doesn't and the same thing with our spirit with our soul with our energy is when you have worked on yourself enough the things that used to bother you, the, 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 the big things become really, really small. Really, really small to where they don't phase you as much or anymore or at all, or they don't even show up in your reality. So yeah, in my experience, like, yeah, first is like you take a step, spirit takes two. But if you keep doing that, it, it, it ends up being, um, it ends up being like a little bit more of a flywheel effect to where you take one, spirit takes 10, 100, 1,000, it gets faster and bigger, the more you surrender and the higher your vibration is. Yeah. I like the way you emphasize that we're in control of our energy and we are in control of our vibration with the choices we make. I think sometimes people forget that, but that's really, really important. Tell us about your new book coming out and a little bit about your process in writing it. Did you feel that some of it was channeled or was it just kind of more an instructive piece of work for you? That was, it was so interesting. Um, so it's with Hay House and, uh, and the book, my intention, because not everybody can do our 30-day programs or see us live in our retreat center, like, you know, we get to hug people. I mean, not everybody can do that. So I wanted to condense the best of the best, everything I knew from close to 20 years of doing this in a book. So when somebody read it, they would have all the tools to turn their light on, you know, be free from 
just energetic drainage from people and step into their light. So I wanted to do that in a book. So um, for me, it was a, an exciting experience. I worked with a collaborator who interviewed me, right, along the way. And I loved it because she was asking questions that I forgotten and I even knew. Because when you're so into the path and you're far along, and I've been doing this for close to 20 years, you're not the same person. Therefore, you speak a different language from the people who are going to pick up the book and read it for the first time because they're in a very different place. And I have forgotten how and what that place feels like and looks like, right? It's almost like a past life, multiple past lives. So it's, it was great to have somebody, you know, who would interview me and I would share everything, um, channeled as potent as I could. And she would, she would ask me like, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, I've never thought of that in a long time. And it, and it, it makes it to where I feel like the book can speak to somebody, whether they're a complete beginner or whether or not they're extremely advanced. Because I wanted to make sure it was potent and I'm, and I'm reaching as many different souls as I can. But it was a fun experience and, a, and one that I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing how it just turned out. Where it's like, I, just, I try to jam pack it with so much information to where I'm like, hey, there's a buffet of techniques and things that people can do. And it doesn't matter if only one or two work for you. Go with the one that works for you, run with it, and your life will never be the same. So for me, it's just a compilation of things that um, not only work with me, because the way I do it is I, it works for me. And when it does, I share it with my close friends and family. And when it does, I go ahead and share it with my clients. When it does, I go ahead and share it with the healers that I certify. And when I do that, and it works, and I get the feedback that it works, then I share it with everybody else. So it's got to go through these different levels of experimentation and being rolled out to a lot of people. And once it's a unanimous thing, then it becomes something that I teach pretty much everybody. So there's books filled with stuff that just works, you know, that's been tested through time and by a lot of different people. Well, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It reaches everyone. You're not just talking to the spiritually elite. You're not just talking to people that have their their yoga and their green juice, and this is my lifestyle. You're talking to anyone on the path. And when you were talking about having to remember, I think that that gives you a beautiful level of empathy, compassion, and understanding to do this work because you have the muscle memory in the background to say, I remember when I was that person coming into this country with, I didn't have my five friends yeah. and I was on a much different path. And, and that's, that's the key. I think when you're talking about connecting with your own divinity, your own connection with spirit is every one of us has something that we can add to that. And so people can actually come and do retreats at your center. Uh, right now it's close to the public. It is retreats. Mm -hmm. Um, we fill it up with just our own retreats every single year, mm -hmm. but that's changing to where, um, cause we have a lot of sacred structures in the land. We've got, we're building, you know, we're, we're building a 111 foot pyramid that can have 800 people in it. Right. One of my friends, one of my dear friends built the one in Bur burning man. I've never been, but he's, you know, he's been there and he built the big one. I'm like, I want a permanent structure here just as big. You can do sound healings. You can do lectures right. You know, it's permanent and it's the exact proportions of the one in Egypt. Great. So we've got that geodesic domes that are being built. And my goal is to open it up to. Um, people that want to go here for a day and experience the land, but also thought leaders who are on the same mission of bringing more light into the world and opening this up as a space 
for when people are here, people can feel the energy potently. That is beautiful because I think for so many of us that are empathic, sensitives, whatever label you want to put on that, that connection with the earth energy is vital right now in order to be able to do the work we all came here to do. We have to reconnect with, with our home base, literally and figuratively. In, in, your, in a part of the country in the, here in the States that is absolutely stunning for that energetic blueprint that people can feel that energy and retap and refill their own well from that as well as so from below and above. Exactly. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank I want to sit in the pyramid. Yeah, you guys are welcome. Welcome at any of our events or if you just want to spend you know a few days or the weekend here and just experience the land and we even have i forgot we have labyrinths here we have the um i built the um it's the first heart labyrinth it's 40 40 feet um it's just 40 feet in size and you can see it when you're flying it's just and people love it so you guys are welcome anytime wow that is really really neat i've sat in like copper pyramids but never like an actual full to scale pyramid building that is fantastic so tell everyone how they can find you and reach with you and connect with you. Yeah, social media. I mean, I put all my best stuff in there. Like, you know, I mean, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. If you guys search at Spiritual Activator, um, I've got like hundreds and hundreds of hours of free content with techniques people can use and, uh, and just follow me there and, uh, and um, see if my stuff resonates. But I put all my best stuff there because I want, you know, my goal is to reach more people and impact them. So I put all the best is the best free for people to experience on social media. Yeah, it's all out there. And I love the way you keep it like very quick and concise and to the point and just very useful for the watcher. So we'll post some of those links up on our social media pages too. But anyone who wants to just search spiritual activator and definitely Oliver will come up for sure. Yeah, yeah. And also the book right right now, at least at the time of this recording, it's on Amazon. So spirit, if people put in spiritual activator in Hay House, like it should pop up um, there um, for pre-order. So, oh, wonderful. Okay, we'll do that too. We'll put it in the show notes and on our pages. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoy getting to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's your your message and your energy is beautiful. So, thank you very much for sharing that with all of us. Thank you. 100%. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up. Do great work and share your light. Take care.